And that's why as we look at the Bible, we're not looking to learn information. We're not looking to, you know, to, uh, to get through the book and find out what the ending of the book is. The, the book is about finding out about him, getting to know him, understanding him in a better and in a deeper way. And the more we actually take biblical truth and take it on board and apply it in our lives, the more we're going to know God. And the more we're going to be able to talk to him. And that's going to affect our lives dramatically because nothing affects your life quite as much as your theology, your, <clears throat> your understanding of who God is. And it's very easy for us to be off. And in as much as we're off in our understanding of God, we're going to be off in our life. Because our doctrine actually gives us life. That's, that's, we, we, we live what we believe about God. And so if we're off in that, we're going to be off in some areas. So <clears throat> what we're looking to do is we're looking to understand God. Now, we, we, thus far we've been through the book of Genesis. We saw creation. Wonderful, fantastic, marvelous. We saw uh, <clears throat> the institution of marriage. when God brought marriage in. Then we saw the fall of man. A lot of instruction there in Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> you know, and then we saw um, God's dealing with man because of the fall. And then we saw the first murder. And rapidly we saw society deteriorate to the place where God was so estranged from it and so fed up with it that he was ready to destroy it completely. And he did. Except Noah found grace in his eyes and God preserved Noah and his family and <clears throat> enough animals to start the world again. But then we saw that rapidly again within, you know, <clears throat> within two or three hundred years, the world has gotten to the same place again at the Tower of Babel. Uh, they're, they're, they're building a tower and they're going to really shut God out of the whole situation. And we see the establishment of, <clears throat> of human government there trying to do that. And so <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 12, we're starting the story of the nation of Israel. Now, the nation of Israel is central key to God's plan for all that he's doing. And it's never actually, he's never moved away from it in that sense. The center and the key uh, of God's plan for the world is found in Israel and what he was doing in Israel. You know, in Genesis chapter 3, we have the first promise of, you know, of a, of a redeemer, of a savior. But <clears throat> what God is going to do is, he's going to do something that's very godlike. Instead of, you know, just creating a man, he's going to start a nation, develop a nation, grow a nation. And through that nation, he's going to bring <clears throat> the Savior. Now, as we look at the book of Genesis, and indeed as we look at the Bible, we see that really all God's plans seem to fail. But they don't fail. What happens is God gives man free will. And man, by his free choice, chooses not to do things God's way and <clears throat> ultimately upsets what God wanted to do. But not really, because in the end, God's always going to bring it around and bring about what he wanted to happen to happen in, in the end anyway. So it's kind of complicated. What we're dealing with, we're dealing with this, uh, <clears throat> this person, this, this God who gives us free will, allows us to do to choose what we're going to do. And he, and he really, that is, that is, you know, there's, there's, he doesn't restrain that. We have free will. You know, uh, somebody said, yeah, well, we have free will, but we have to bear the consequences. Yeah, that's always true. But you do have free will. You have free will to choose and to do. And each person along the way in God's plan has that free will. So 
we need to understand that part of it, that man has free will. That's a key part, because it's always, it's always that's always going to be the apple that's going to upset the cart. Right? The free will of man. Man is going to choose to do something God didn't want him to do. And it's not going to surprise God. God's just going to work around it and bring his, uh, bring his plan to fruit in the end anyway. <clears throat> but we also have to grapple with this idea. That in all of it, not just the ending, God is reaping a harvest. That God is actually reaping a harvest. Now, God is, God is, there's something in it that is pleasing God. And what we find the issue that's pleasing God is, is his faith. It's when we trust him. That's the key issue. We've got free will. We can choose to or we can choose not to. But when we trust him, what we're going to find is we're going to find that God is pleased. Now, (coughs) we're also going to find there are no perfect men. None. Noah found grace in God's eyes, but he wasn't a perfect man. He got drunk and um, (coughs) messed things up royally. (coughs) Abraham's not a perfect man. But what we're going to find that God is responding to the faith of these men. Now, don't get me wrong. Noah messed up and got drunk and it cost him. Abraham's going to mess up and it's going to cost him. But what we find God doing with is God is dealing with them on the basis of faith. I mean, (coughs) we talked about James and John about the rest of the apostles this morning. I mean, (coughs) as I was preparing for it, I I was thinking this. You know, if I had spent three and a half years developing 12 men and they were as much a mess at the end of the three and a half years as they were, I'd have been very discouraged. I would really have been discouraged. I would have looked at them and said, what's the point? What's the hope? But he doesn't do that. And we never find the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, just slamming them all. He works with them. And ultimately he's going to achieve his ends through them anyway. <clears throat> but the, the key issue there is going to be faith. Are they depending upon? Now, if we know even that much, you know, we understand, we understand we're not perfect. Nobody here is perfect. But you know what? You can have faith. You can learn to trust. You can learn to trust God in a deep way. And, you know, if you learn to trust God in a deep way, no matter what your background is, it's going to please God. And if you have faith enough to please God, you're going to find that he's going to do great things through your life. We don't do great things for God. God does great things through men. Now, Abraham, if we have to put, put one name on, uh, on Abraham, we're going to call him the father of faith. He's, he's the man who has faith. And we, we don't know much about him before we begin to read about him in Genesis chapter 12. He's 75 years old. We, we, we know a little bit, but not much. We know where he lived, but we don't know much about him. But we do know this, that God did not step into the picture and just choose a- Abraham randomly. Noah found grace in God's eyes. Well, there were reasons why Noah found grace in his eyes. And Abraham was chosen, and there were reasons. And key reason would be faith. Not a perfect faith. Not a faith that had it all together. But a faith that had potential. Do you realize that God sees potential in us and deals with us on that basis? And the potential is not in our perfection because we're not. The potential is in, will we trust him? Will we really trust him? 
right? Let's pray, and then we'll begin to tease through the Scripture and see how far we get today, right? Father, would you bless us tonight? Would you bless your word to us? Lord, we, we thank you for this man, Abraham, and Lord, for the, the, the wealth uh, that he teaches us about you. And oh, Lord, would you help us now? We know, Lord, that every good gift comes down from the Father of lights, and Lord, there's no better gift than to know you and to know you better. Now, Lord, I pray that tonight you would smile upon LifeGate Bible Baptist Church, you would smile upon our assembly here, and, Lord, that you would teach us of you. And, Lord, where there are things in us, Lord, that need to change, where there are ideas that need to change, where there are <coughs> areas in our lives, Lord, that need to um, become different, Lord, would you help us to see those things? And, Lord, would you help us tonight to grow in our trust and in our faith in Jesus' name? Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Right? <clears throat> so God gives Abraham a promise. A promise, by the way, that stands to this day. In fact, God's going to elaborate on it as time goes by. But, but here's what the promise. He wants, he, he, he wants Abraham to do something, and what he's going to do, he's going to make him a great nation, he's going to bless him, he's going to give him a great name, and, and he's going to make him a blessing, and he's going to bless the people that bless him and curse uh, everyone that curse him, and all families of the earth are going to be blessed in him. That's speaking of Jesus. Right? So all families in the earth, uh, of the earth were going to be blessed uh, through Abraham. And <clears throat> verse 3, every every. Every nation that has blessed Israel in history has been blessed, and every nation that has cursed Israel has been cursed. And, <clears throat> you know, you, 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 could, you could make a foreign policy based upon this. Honestly, you could. If, you had, if a nation had enough faith, they could actually make their foreign policy. Our foreign policy is we to bless Israel. Now, we're not talking about blessing Israel because Israel are nice. Because if you read about Israel in the news, they're not nice. <clears throat> that's, that, that's not the issue. The issue is not the issue is the promise of God. That God says he will bless you if you bless Israel. In your personal life, be careful to bless the Jews. Whenever you have opportunity to, be careful to bless the Jews because these are the chosen people. These are the apple of his eye. This, that's where we get the, get the idea of the apple of his eye. Uh, this nation are special. They are different to him. God's made promises that, to this nation, and he will fulfill all of them. <clears throat> Right? He told Abraham that I will make thee a great nation uh, and that I will make thy, thy name great. Now, remember when we looked at the Tower of Babel? What did they want? They wanted to make themselves a name. They didn't. God confounded it. But you know, God gave Abraham a great name. And it's just fascinating. Wherever you go in the world, everybody knows about Abraham. You know, the Arabs own him. They have a cockeyed story about him, but the Arabs own him. Hey, you know, the Jews own Abraham as their father. We own Abraham as the father of faith. You listen, there's no name on the planet that's that, that, that spread so effectively throughout even all the religions. He's, God said he would make him a great name, and he made him a great name. God did what he, what he said he would do for him. Um, <clears throat> but I want you to look at verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. <clears throat> so get out of your country. Well, Abraham did that very effectively. He left or of the Chaldees, right? <clears throat> um, and from thy kindred. Abraham didn't do that one. Now we know he took someone with him, don't we? He took Lot with him. But <clears throat> he actually took Dad and Lot. 
as well. Look back up into chapter 11. <clears throat> Verse 27, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abraham, so this is Terah's dad. Uh, Terah begat Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father, Terah, in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. Right? So uh, he, Lot's an orphan. Uh, he's, um, <coughs> his dad died, right? And Abraham and Nahor took them wives. Uh, the name of Abraham's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, uh, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Ishkah. But Sarah was barren, she had no child. And Terah took Abraham, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came into Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. And then they moved on to the land of Canaan. <laughs> okay, so here's what happened. God told Abraham, I want you to move, I want you to, I want you to leave the land of Ur of the Chaldees, I want you to leave this comfortable land, and I want you to get out from this land and from your kindred and from your father's house. I want you to leave everything behind. But we don't know what happened. But somehow, the family moved with them. And Lot moved with them. Now, <clears throat> I can understand, and you know, in that time, you know, Terah was the was the father. He was the patriarch. He was in charge, and Abraham felt he really couldn't do this uh, apart from dad, and so he took Terah with him. And of course, Lot had no dad anymore, so you know, he was an orphan. So he took uh, um, Lot with him as well. But you know, what happens in the in this whole thing is that there's from the beginning there's a problem. From the beginning, there's an issue. From the beginning, he's not doing exactly what God wants him to do. Now, that's going to cost him. It's going to cost everybody. It always does. Whenever we don't fully obey God. Now, you know, <laughs> I used to feel that if we didn't fully obey God, God would come down and smite us. That's how I was born Catholic, right? And you, know, you, you, you live with the idea of a God who is just waiting in the wings to catch you out and smash you. Right? But God doesn't do that. Do you know how God deals with us? God allows us, our free will, to do wrong, and there are natural consequences built into it. And the natural consequences are going to get... What God says to you is, he says, look, here's what I want you to do. This is the right thing. If you take this path and do this and do exactly what I tell you to do, it'll work well for you. Now, you're, you're free to go another way if you like. But this is going to be the best way for you. If you actually do it my way and do what I'm telling you to do, you'll be blessed. And if you don't, I won't be able to bless you in the same way. Now, he doesn't cast you off when you make a poor choice. He doesn't cast you off and decide you're worthless and of no value. But what happens is there are problems. There are difficulties. There are consequences whenever we don't actually do what God wants us to do fully. Now, <clears throat> I want you to look at um, <clears throat> Joshua chapter 1. Keep your finger there because we're going to stay in Genesis. But look with me at Joshua chapter 1. <clears throat> you 
God is calling Joshua. This is much later in the whole scheme of things. But from verse 6, I want, you to, I want you to see this. I want you to see how God underlines this. He says, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto thy fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now, what's God saying there? Don't go to, don't, don't, don't veer away from it. Go hit it straight. Go straight on, what my word. Don't go to the right hand or don't go to the left hand. Don't, don't veer off it because if you veer off it, you're not going to prosper the way I want you to. Now, let me ask you, did Israel find that out right early? Under Joshua? Remember Ai? Remember Ai, God said, listen, <clears throat> I want everything burnt. Take nothing. Just burn everything. Um, <clears throat> and what did Achan do? Achan saw the gold. Hey, yeah. What's the problem with taking that? And he saw the goodly raiment and he took that and he buried it in his tent. And so they went up then against <clears throat> Ai, and 36 men died in Ai, and they got put to flight at Ai, and Joshua was distraught, and he's saying to God, what is this? Listen, they will slaughter us now, because for sure, they, they'll think you're not with us. And God said, get up. There's sin in the camp. Go deal with it. That's your problem. Now, what have they done? Somebody in the camp had just gone slightly to the right, or slightly to the left. And you know what? It costs everybody. It always does. There's always a price tag on it. Now you might say, man, 36 men died. 36 families without a father. That's, that's a horrible price to pay. Yeah. But understand that when we don't obey God, there is a horrible price to pay. Always. Now, it's not that God comes down and smashes you because you didn't obey God. Typically, what we feel when we don't obey God is, eh, yeah, I got away with it. But there are always consequences. There are always consequences. When you, God tells you to do something, and you decide to do something else, change the plan a little bit around to suit you, there's always going to be consequences. That's just the way it is. Israel's going to find that out. <clears throat> and Joshua is being warned in the beginning here. He's, listen, don't go to the right hand or to the left hand from it. We're, we're very prone to taking Scripture and taking it just like kind of Abraham did here. Okay, I mean, God said, leave your father's house and your kingdom. Well, I'm leaving, I'm leaving the, the main part of the family. I'm just taking that lot with me. That's all. You know, it's not a big deal. It's only just a slight variation from what God, what God told me to do. It'll be fine. I'll get away with it. And anyway, Dad's kicking up murder. He's, he's causing all kinds of trouble saying if I go on my own. Or whatever reason. And Lot, you know what? Well, listen, Lot's got no dad. I need to take care of him. No, is it right to take care of somebody who needs to be taken care of? Yes, if that's what God wants you to do. But if God doesn't want you to do it, you ought not to be doing it. You see, Abraham's taking care of Lot is going to turn out bad. You guys know the story of Lot. You know, <clears throat> Abraham, now I'm sure Abraham's heart towards Lot was, I'll, I'll help the kid along. I'll help him along. And Abraham's going to play a part in, in Lot's downfall. But you know what? <laughs> Lot going with Abraham wasn't good for Lot. Now, you say, well, what would have happened if he'd been left behind? I have no idea. But I just know this. It wasn't God's plan for him to go with Abraham. So he shouldn't have been going with him. He should have stayed there. And Abraham should have set out on his own. And you say, but hang on, Pastor. That's kind of hard. I mean, he's just a kid. 
I mean, what are you talking about leaving him behind? You need someone to look after him and take care of him. Listen, it's more important to obey God than to do what you feel like doing. Even though what you feel like doing might be good. It is more important for you to obey God. We've got to understand, listen, the best help we can be is when we obey God. That's the best. Listen, you will never go higher in your impact on the world than I did the will of my Father. Because if you look at the life of Jesus, that's all he did. Nothing more, nothing less. I did the will of him. I came not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Jesus did the Father's will. And if you're going to succeed and be a blessing in life to yourself and to others, you're going to do it by obeying the Father's will. And sometimes that means you're going to walk away in situations where, you, where your heart tells you to do something else entirely. Now, again, I don't know. The, the Scripture doesn't tell us Abraham's thinking on this point. <clears throat> but clearly he went wrong. The first thing he did is he went wrong and, and he took Dad with him and they got stuck. Now, we don't know how long they got stuck, but they, uh, they went to Haran and they got stuck there. Right? <clears throat> you know, they, they, they got stuck there. And then it's not until Dad dies, until Terah dies, that he moves on to the land of Canaan. But when he moves on to the land of Canaan, he's got Lot in tow. And <clears throat> there's going to be all kinds of problems, all kinds of issues, all kinds of difficulties. Now, <clears throat> I don't know this. But I just wonder. Abraham was 75 years when he finally um, <clears throat> made his move and got out there. I wonder, would he have had Isaac a lot earlier if he'd obeyed from the, from the beginning? Now, I still think Isaac would have had to be a class A miracle. In other words, there was no possibility of humanly of, having, of him having a baby. But I wonder what would have happened earlier. Uh, if he had actually done what God had wanted him to do. You see, <clears throat> sometimes we can't calculate the cost of the little disobedience. We don't know. You know it's, it's hard for us to work it out. But this one is, 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 going to, uh, is going to hamper what God is doing in Abraham's life. It's going to hold him back. Now, <clears throat> you and I will say to ourselves, <clears throat> you know, well, look, I'm doing the best I can. I'm following God generally. And, and, and let me say this, I don't think, you know, that if you follow God generally, God's going to get bent out of shape and kind of <clears throat> slam you. But I do think there's going to be a price tag on it. You're following generally, but not specifically. You're doing what you think God wants you to do, but not exactly. You're kind of fudging it and making it up as you go along. I think the more we walk in his word and we veer not to the right hand or to the left hand, the closer we walk with him, the more of his blessing we're going to know in our lives. And <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I need a lot of blessing. I need a lot of blessing. I'm dumb enough to wreck my life in a heartbeat. You know, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know how to make up the rules. I really don't know how to make up the rules. I need to do what he wants me to do. And so do you. But I don't need to do it just generally. I need to do it Exactly. He can do exactly what, I want, what he wants me to do. And you say, well, how am I going to know exactly what God wants me to do? Well, the Bible's going to give you 99% of it straight up. I am convinced the child of God does not struggle so much with knowing God's will as with being willing to do God's will. <clears throat> I, I know we make a big deal about struggling with, about God's will, but listen, the Word of God is going to give you 99% of it. And you know, the Spirit of God is alive and well and living in 2014. 
And he's able to actually show you what God wants you from the Word. Isn't it amazing? I mean, you guys went to camp. How many of you would say there was one message, and you know what? God had it preached just for me. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just incredible? You go, you go down there, you drive 100 miles to people you've never met before half the time, and they, somehow they've been reading your email, and they know exactly what you need, and they preach exactly what you need. Now, the Spirit of God is very well able to show us exactly what you need. I mean, you come here, and the Word of God is preached. Go to RU, and the Word of God is preached. You know, <clears throat> open your Bible. And the Spirit of God is able to show you exactly what God wants for you to do. But, but here's what we do. We second-guess it. <clears throat> what we do is, we, okay, well, I know. that. Oh, I, whew, if I do that, man, these people are going to be upset with me. And I could lose this thing. And oh, I, I wonder if there a different way. I know. And ask my friend what he thinks. Now, <clears throat> your friend won't know exactly what God is doing in your life. Your friend won't know exactly. You see, the Holy Spirit tailor makes the instruction for us because he knows exactly what we need. And what you need to do is you need to say, okay, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Lord, help me. And do it exactly. And you say, well, what if I'm wrong? What if it's just because, you know, I had this feeling inside and it's not really exactly what the Holy Spirit, the Spirit told me to do. <clears throat> well, listen, let me ask you this. Do you think if you in your heart, with all your heart, were seriously saying, I want to follow God exactly and do everything he says, do you think God's seriously going to let damage come to you if that's your heart? No. Could you, could you go too far and serve God too much and obey God too much? Listen, God's able to overrule and God's able to take care of you. You have a much greater fear of not fully obeying than you do of over, over obeying, if we want to put it that way. You know, listen, God can take you and God can help you, but he wants you to obey him fully. All the way. In everything. And you say, that sounds terribly burdensome, Pastor. I'd have to be spending all day and night trying to find God's will. No, no, no. It's not like that. It really is not like that. You know, <clears throat> what do you think of me for a second? How many muscles do you have to use to walk? <laughs> That's a good answer. A lot, right? Now, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's the muscles in your legs. There's the bones in your legs. There's balance involved in it. Uh, there's the signal from your brain going to your legs. There's your big toes involved in it. Uh, you know, there's, there's, listen, there's a whole bunch of stuff involved in it, right? Now, how many of you, if I asked you to walk up that, 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 that aisle there, you could actually do it without even thinking? You just walk. You put one leg in front of the other, and you just keep on going. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Walking is easy. Now, if I were to tell you, well, uh, here's what you've got to do. You know, you've got <clears throat> these five pages of commands. I want you to tell your big toe to touch the ground. I want you to tell your heel to lift up a bit. I want the ball of your foot to stay in a certain place. And I want you to tell your knee to bend in a certain way. And I want you to make sure your balance is going. You know, listen, you'd trip up and fall down, wouldn't you? <clears throat> I mean, you just couldn't do it if you were to think about all the things. It's just walking. There's a walk with God. There's a walk with God. There's <coughs> what we need to do is we need to learn to walk with God. 
As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Now, how did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord anyway? Pardon? Get and say, how did you get saved? You just trusted him, didn't you? By the way, how much did you know when you trusted him? It's a good question, isn't it? How much did you know about salvation when you trusted God as your Savior? Could you, could you have written a five-page essay on, you know, <clears throat> what it means to trust God? No, here's roughly what you knew. I'm a sinner. Well, I know that. The Holy Spirit's made me very much aware of that. I know I'm a sinner. Apart from the conviction of the Holy Spirit, there is no salvation. Right? The Holy Spirit makes you aware that you're a sinner. <clears throat> There's the reality of I'm in trouble. You may not be able... I, I, I think often, sometimes people are not able to go all the way and say, I'm going to hell. <clears throat> I think that just kind of sticks in there. Someday, I, I watch people want to say it and not be able to say it. Right? When, you, when you're talking to them about salvation. Right? <clears throat> so you know, you're, you know you're a sinner. You know you're in trouble. And... Jesus died for your sins. I could be free of all this through him. If what the Bible is saying, I could actually be free if I trusted him. And then you make a decision, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to depend upon him. Now, that's not known a whole lot. None of us got saved as theologians. In, in all honesty, I think most theologies would hinder you from being saved. They would actually get in your way. <clears throat> what you did when you got saved was, you just trusted him. Just there. You know, <clears throat> you, you, you came into the king, king, kingdom hanging on by your fingernails. But then you realize, no, it's true. It's all true. And you began to grow in your faith. Right? <clears throat> now, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. It's not, a, it's not this deal whereby you've, you've got to get you know, <clears throat> a letter from heaven to know whether you should actually walk this way, down this aisle, or down this aisle. I've seen somebody trip, trip themselves up. I knew a guy who went to the counseling, and he sat down in counseling. He was actually in trouble. And um, <clears throat> he, he sat there with the guy who was trying to help him, and he would say, hang on a minute, I've got to pray about this. And so somebody's talking to him, and he's trying to access heaven to get information to answer the person with, right? Now, you know what? It was rubbish. The guy spun out completely afterwards because it's not like that. God doesn't make it hard like that. It's just walking with him. How many of you know when you do something wrong that it's wrong? Amazing, isn't it? You just know. And you know what? You know what's right to do too. You know what's right to do. You, you know, and when you start questioning what's right to do and looking for somebody else to kind of validate what's right to do or somebody else to kind of to give you a reason why you don't have to do it, you're in trouble. You're trying to reason yourself out of doing what's right to do. That's our problem. Our problem is not that we don't know what's right to do. Our problem is that we want to reason ourselves out of what we know is right to do. And, and there, there, listen, there's a multitude of reasons it could cost you. It could cost you greatly. You know, if you have to go and undo a lie that you told and make it right, you could, you could be a laughing stock. You could be an absolute laughing stock if you have to go and undo that lie that, lie that you told. You know, <clears throat> if you have to go and correct uh, something that you did financially that was wrong, 
it could cost you big money. So there's usually a cost. So when it comes to the place where there's a cost, what we'll do typically is we'll say, oh, I can't do that. There must be a better way around that. My friend John, you know, listen, he didn't, he didn't have to do that when he got in the same tr- trouble. And we reason ourselves out of doing it. Now, two things to think about there. First of all, if God wants you to do it, you've got to do it. And secondly, if God wants you to do it, he'll enable you. You'd be amazed at the things that happen when people obey God just in the raw. They obey. They do what God wants them to do. <clears throat> they don't ask questions. They just do. You'd be amazed at what happens when God's people do that. You know, you say, uh, it's going to kill me. No, it won't kill you. But you know what happens? When you say no, when you say I can't, I won't, or whatever, that's when you start dying. That's when you start facing the issues, the difficulties. That's when you start facing problems. Because what you're doing is you're turning away from God at that point. And you see, <clears throat> Abraham, <clears throat> God is calling him to go out and leave over the Chaldees. And you know what? He's, he's getting 99% of it right. But there's 1% that he's missing out on. And the 1% he's missing out on is going to cost him greatly. Do you know that eventually he's going to have to leave Lot behind anyway? And Lot won't be in any better place than he is now. Eventually he's going to have to do it anyway. This is going to take a lot of strife and a lot of problems and a lot of difficulties before he does it. But eventually he's going to have to actually break the tie and go and do what God told him to do. And isn't that really what happens to us all? If we're going to go on with God, we've ultimately got to do what he tells us to do the way he tells us to do it. Because otherwise what happens for us is we end up snaring ourselves and holding ourselves back. Now, so here's our first point then as we're looking at the life of Abraham and we're going to leave it here. Abraham needed to follow God completely, exactly, and didn't. And it cost him, and it cost Lot. It was just a bad deal. Now, the question for you tonight is, let's put Abraham to one side. Okay? <clears throat> First of all, do you realize that if you don't follow God exactly in what he wants you to do, he's not going to come down and cream you? You know, <clears throat> That, that, that's not the way it happens. Sometimes what we do is, you know, <clears throat> we do something that's a little bit wrong. I'm kind of looking over our shoulder. What's he going to do? Hey, he didn't do anything. I got away with it. Yeah, and we go on. And we do something else a little bit wrong. Hey, he didn't do anything. I got away with that too. And we don't realize that what's, what we're doing is we're just building up consequences. We're, we're, we're just running in consequences. You know, that if we, would, if we would do it right and do it God's way, listen, we would not be building up consequences in our lives. You know, listen, if you get a car, there's a little red light. Right? For those of you ladies that, don't, that, that aren't aware of these things, keep an eye on these things, right? There's, there's a little red light in the front of your uh, <laughs> dash that has a little oil can on it or something like that. Now, when that goes ri- red... Stop the car and turn it off. Right? Because if you don't, what's going to happen in the next few minutes is your engine's going to go plunk. That's what happens. The engine will... Now listen, <clears throat> when the red light comes on in your car, you can say, I don't like that. 
In fact, you could take a hammer and you could break it, couldn't you? That really bothers me, that red light. <coughs> I'm, going, I'm going to actually um, <coughs> knock it out. And you drive along with this red light going, or with this red light not going because you, you're broken. You're going to get consequences. You're going to get consequences. Listen, there's no way around it. The, the little light is telling you the engine oil is run down or run low or whatever. If you don't deal with that thing, you're going to have consequences. <clears throat> the same is true when the Spirit of God says, don't do that. And you do it. And you shut him down because you're not listening to him. You're going to face consequences. Always. Always. It's, <clears throat> it's, it, you know, it, it's just something that you can't get away from. There's always going to be a consequence to be faced. <clears throat> now, God's not going to smash you. He's just going to let you face the consequences. That's what happens. <clears throat> and, you know, you get to the place, people get to the place where they think, well, I'm getting away with lots. And, you know what? People don't notice the consequences sometimes. It's kind of like they're blind to them. I've got all these problems in my life. Where, where did they come from? Well, I don't know. I've got all these problems, all these difficulties in my life. I mean, why is everybody against me? Well, where did you violate God's word? Where did you do something God told you not to do? Oh, yeah, but that's a long time ago. It's nothing to do with that. Listen, <clears throat> understand, God's not going to smash you, but there are consequences, right? Now, secondly, <clears throat> God loves you, and he will forgive you. He will forgive you. Now, what, it's, what does it take for you to be forgiven? You've got to come to God, and you've got to say, Lord, I agree with you, that was wrong. Now, if you come back and you agree with God and you say that that was wrong, I shouldn't have done it. That necessitates you actually changing course and doing what you should have done in the first place, doesn't it? Sometimes it's not possible. But repentance means I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to go the right direction now. You know, repentance is not just I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm committed to this path now, so I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's not committing. That's not, that's not repentance. That's kind of Saul repentance. Remember Saul, you know, uh, when, when um, Samuel came and, and said to him, what, you know, he was supposed to go and slay all the Amalekites and, and, and everything was supposed to go, but he kept alive all the, the animals that were useful to him. And Samuel said, what meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen? If you did what you were told to do, what does this mean to me? And finally, after it, having it harangued out of him, what does Saul do? Saul says, okay, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, but just come and pray with me anyway. Nothing's changed. Nothing's turned around. There's no repentance. You know what? <clears throat> Samuel demonstrates repent repentance for him. Samuel takes Agai, the king of the Amalekites, that for some unknown reason Saul had spared. And he hews him in pieces before the Lord. Now, it's a gruesome picture. And it's all the more gruesome because Samuel's not a warrior. Samuel's a prophet. Samuel's a white-robed man of God. What's he doing? hewing Agag in pieces before the Lord. What he's doing is he's showing Saul, Saul, listen, this is the way you should have done it in the first place. Now, here's the question for you. What's the Agag in your life? What is it that God wants gone that you're hanging on to? What is it that God said, I want that dealt with? And you're holding on to it. You're holding on to it. Because that's the thing. 
That's the thing. You're storing up consequences. That's the thing that will derail you. That's the thing that will, that will mess up your life. What is it that you've got in your life? God says, deal with it. Remove it. Let it be gone. Follow God completely. It is very clearly the best thing we will ever do. Don't let's mess with it. Don't let's play with it. Don't let's look for another version of the Scripture that doesn't say it so harshly. Let's just do it. And what we'll find is we'll find blessing. And when we don't, we'll find consequences. Listen, I don't want consequences. Neither do you. Let's be wise. Let's learn from Abraham and from this relationship Abraham had with God. God didn't just cast him off. God blessed him in many ways. But you know what? He was supposed to leave Lot behind. He didn't. And later on, he's going to have to leave Lot behind to move on at all. It's a bad decision. It was not what God wanted. And God knows best. Do you know that God knows best in your life and God knows best in my life? We need to do exactly what he would have us to do. Let's all stand for prayer. Father in heaven, would you bless us now? We look to you, Lord, for your hand and your power. Now, Lord, would you just put your hand, touch your people. Lord, it would be easy for us tonight to look at the thing that you want us to deal with and to say, no, it's not that. But, oh, Holy Spirit, would you speak loud and clear? And where there's an issue that needs to be dealt with, may by your spirit and your power that issue be dealt with. Now, Lord, we look to you, and we ask you, Lord, to work in hearts and lives tonight and to do your business. In Jesus' precious name. As the piano plays and every head is bowed and every eye is closed and God has put his finger on something in your heart, would you come and deal with it? Some area where you were supposed to obey, but you didn't. Some area where you know what you're supposed to do, but you haven't. Don't keep storing up consequences. Deal with it tonight. Get it right with God. If the Spirit of God is dealing with you, just step out and come deal with it.